This is episode 17 of Spokes with our good friend and filmmaker, Randy Panado. Here we go. You're listening to the Red Bicycle Media Spokes Podcast, a show about the experiences of a film production house and the people they work with in the film industry, with your host, James Pizarro. Hey guys, welcome back to the Spokes Podcast. This is producer Christian. Welcome you guys back after a little bit over a month hiatus, but uh, we are back and we have some new episodes coming up, starting with this one. So on previous episodes of this podcast, we've talked about life on set. We've talked about different methods of filmmaking, talked about different positions, uh, pathways to a career. Uh, But today we're going to talk about the mindset of a filmmaker. We're going to talk about um, what visions, what visions we should have uh, in our careers, what type of career we want to have and how we get to that point. And I think we found an awesome guy to interview to talk about this. We've known him for a long time, 11 years to be exact, and uh, we've done a lot of projects together. Projects in Vegas, we've done projects, um, weddings. We used to do weddings, and we've done a lot of weddings here in Ohio, Chicago, um, Mexico, New York, everywhere pretty much in North America. And um, we've been really close since. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome today's guest out of Las Vegas, Mr. Randy Panado. So today I'd like to welcome a old and dear friend of mine, Randy Panato, who is coming from me all the way. Where are you? Where are you right now in Las Vegas? Is that correct? That's correct. All right. So how are things going, Randy? Things are great, man. Things are great. You know, just uh, as you know, right now, um, whenever people are listening to this, we're in the middle of the quarantine, middle of the pandemic, right? So just doing our best to keep it, uh, keep things moving, keep work going. Well, it took a pandemic to finally get us together. So I, I appreciate you, you coming on and uh, kind of sharing our really kind of uh, common roads and um, somewhat divergent, but still at the same time, um, I appreciate the friendship. And, and more importantly, I appreciate the, uh, the support over the years. So uh, tell me what you've been doing lately. Oh, man. Um, so recently I've been, um, I'm, I'm actually the uh, director of products and operations for a digital marketing education company out here in Las Vegas. And so um, probably got into that role, started as a director of media, and then got into the rest of the roles probably within like the past two years. So total, I've been with them for three, and I've kind of been delving into the marketing side of production, um, and more so on like sales funnels, uh, how to market online, uh, how to convert, you know, like a lot of the numbers and stuff that we as creatives don't really think about, uh, it happens after we hand off the videos to the clients. So kind of been stuck in that world for a bit, you know, and uh, haven't really been around production per se, more so around the marketing side. So that's kind of where I've been for the past three years. Well, your journey has been convoluted. <laughs> like, as I said, our threads have kind of got, gone the same route. So tell me how you got here. Yeah, it's funny. You're in, you know, absolutely. Like, so, you know, where, where me and James met was like maybe what? It was 11, 11 years ago, bro. Can you imagine that? Can't believe it. 11 years. Um, so I got my start actually doing uh, B-boy videos, breaking videos for me and my friends. I'd film us dancing, screwing around. And for me, in my mind, it was proof that when I'm 40, uh, I can show my kids that I used to spin on my head and they'd believe <laughs> me. Right? So that was kind of the reason why. Um, and then just kind of throughout that, I, I started telling myself, I want a nicer, uh, nicer footage, nicer equipment. And how can I do that? And so I would buy nicer equipment and then get paid 
either shoot photos at events, film events, and then therefore it would justify the hobby, right? It justified the addiction and gear. Um, but the, the funny thing was, is I ended up meeting a friend through a company I was a DJ for. I started off as a photographer for them. They made me a DJ and at a gig I was DJing, uh, that's our friend Lawrence, yeah, James. Um, this oh, yeah. Dude was, yeah, he was he was filming, I think it was a bar mitzvah or something like that. And he was like, you know, I said, hey man, I have a whole bunch of footage. I don't know how to edit. Can you teach me? And he said, hey, come work with me. I'll teach you how to film, teach you how to edit. And we'll kind of like have this apprentice and learner, you know, uh, or a teacher relationship. So from there, um, he was heavily, heavily into weddings. Um, and I got into weddings from like 2006. And I think the last one I ever shot was in 2005 for myself, for my own brand. And uh, that's kind of where I met a lot of my friends. I met you, James, right, at a, at a workshop in Canada, 2009, uh, which was amazing. And from there, I just kind of, at that workshop that you and I met at, I really started embracing the storytelling aspect, the human aspect of stuff. And with my marketing and sales background, it was really easy to approach corporate clients and commercial clients and say, hey, uh, you have the pretty picture side what about the marketing sales and psychology side that goes along with it to therefore connect the dots? And I made a little niche in that, so yeah. I think a lot of um, uh, young filmmakers don't understand that, or I, and I think they finally get it, that uh, making pretty pictures is is really just a quarter of what we do. Uh, you you, you kind of figure it out, and I wanna to talk to you about that later, how you, you developed your look or, or, or the, the eye, so to speak, but, um, you know, and I, I'm sure we we might maybe accused of having one or more cameras than we should have. But hey, we had to try them out to find out where we where we uh, finally are. But um, how, what kind of advice would you give to to somebody who's you know you hear this a lot who's just starting out and 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 where do you think you made your your acceleration or change into um, into where you are right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing that I want to give advice to is uh, what really led to a faster trajectory for my, my, uh, my business, my career was collaboration. Um, I think most people really don't see the value of collaboration per se, because they're too busy trying to be the man, the guy with the most likes or the gal with the most likes, the views. And um, especially in this day and age when people, you know, uh, correlate virality and views to actual good work when that's actually not the case, you know? And uh, I think the biggest thing I would say is for people who are brand new, um, number one, don't get into debt, right? Don't, don't make silly choices, buying cameras and chasing gear, uh, make good business decisions. Right. And, and, and yes, there's a thing about like chasing the great stuff and having a good look and, and that return on investment, but there's, there's smarter ways to do that. And we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, the second thing I would say is, is, is get around people who are farther ahead in your career than you are. Um, and that's, that's going to save you years off your time, uh, off of your career and just wasted time. Um, I think the biggest thing, James, is like when I got around Hollywood set, I really feel like I discovered for myself, I'm not into this. This is not what I want to do. You know, I moved into L.A. 2011 uh, and I was like, I'm going to go pursue like that gear, uh, that, that gig. Right. I dropped events and said, hey, let me go do production. And when I learned, you know, and I was really fond of Steadicam. And when I started getting around like real Steadicam people, right, like people who buy 30,000 rigs and do this day in and day out. Um, I discovered I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, I really don't want to do that. I don't want to cart around all that stuff. And I, I have massive respect for that. But seeing that up front, learning that up front, saved me from spending a whole bunch of money, uh, per, per, uh, pursuing a career that I probably wouldn't have been happy with, 
And then therefore, you know, uh, I'd have to start over wherever I was. So for like brand new young filmmakers, I would say quickly, like get around people who are farther along in ministry. And if that's not where you want to be, right? Like don't go there, right? Like if I, if I said, if I looked at deacons and said, Hey, do I want the life deacon has, right? Do I, do I want to live the life he does? If the answer is no, what makes me think that if I pursue his path, get as good as he is, that I'm not going to have the same life. It's pretty much like one of those things where, um, you know, if you get lost chasing the, the dream and the allure versus looking at what really lifestyle do you want to live? You know? And so it's kind of, kind of a long answer to that question, James, you know, um, but those two things, right. Uh, be smart about business decisions and to um, get, get around, collaborate people who are farther along in your career. How do you tell young filmmakers to take a different route? and not just get caught up in the, uh, you, you stated it well. I mean, there's a lot of FOMO, there's a lot of competition. We don't like sharing, or some people don't like sharing, and you always feel like it's this big competition, um, which in, in, in a way it is, but what route do you recommend people take? The thing that you stated that, that it's so important to know what the end goal is. Like, do you want to live a life like Roger Deakins or a lot of these DPs who basically live show to show and, and uh, maybe a supplement with, with commercial work. How did you find out what you wanted to do? That's, that's a really, you know, like, I like that question because it, it forces me to really think about what, what did I do uh, practically, right? Like, I don't want this to be theoretical. I want this to also be something they can take. Uh, a person can listen to this and be like, all right, well, how do I really apply and figure out what I want, right? I think the number one thing, and just in anything in life, right? I teach a lot of mindset courses um, and I do some coaching with that. And I think the biggest thing is to develop a vision. And what I mean by vision, I don't mean like, oh, you know, like that's my vision of this, like, you know, this film. No, no, I mean a vision for someone's life, right? If we spent the same amount of time that we spend crafting um, a film as we did our own lives, could you imagine how much different our lives would be, right? Um, we spend maybe weeks or months on a film. Um, but when someone says, hey, what's your vision for your life? What do you want? Uh, what's the first thing that most people say uh, is, I don't know. I don't know what I want. <laughs> I don't know yet. I, I, I mean, I want stuff, right? And so um, without going to a big rabbit hole about personal growth and personal development, I see like the biggest way for someone to change chasing down a path that they will find no cheese at later is to develop what do they really want in their lives? How do they want to live? Who do they want to spend time with? How much money do they want to make? Um, you know, the list goes on, like, what's the lifestyle they want to, to want, they want to experience? Because, you know, if they're thinking, man, I want to have a big old house, you know, I want to spend time with my family. I want to, you know, I want to travel, you know, 50% of the year. Um, like sometimes filmmaking may not be the best way to do that. Right. Like I know, I know DPs, I really respect that are gone for six months out of the year from their families. Uh, you know, you have a kid on the way, a job comes up. What do you say? Yes or no? <laughs> right? Six months overseas pays amazing. Now you have a choice. See the birth of my child or go work. And that gets really scary for some people for me anyway. Right. And so, um, a vision, a vision for what they want out of their lives and craft that, make it real, spend time doing it. I think that'd be the biggest thing that could prevent them from going down a path that they're like, yep, don't want to do that. What's your, what's your uh, take on being more journey oriented rather than goal oriented? Because I always think that, you know, when you achieve a goal, that's, that is a fraction of a percent of time in your life. Right. And if you're just miserable, 
uh, uh, in, in, in striving for that goal. What do, how do you cope with that? What are some of your uh, day-to-day uh, tasks and, or day-to-day um, routine and, and try to stay in the moment and, and be journey-oriented? Beautiful. Um, th- so this is the problem, right? Like, and this is kind of controversial what I'm about to say. Um, goals don't work and dream boards are full of shit. I don't know if I can say that on this. You can bleep that out, man. I don't know if you can say that. But why, why do I say that? It's because goals usually are chasing a feeling. You know, I want, like for me in the past, I want a red camera. Why do I want that? What does that mean to me? I never really explored that until I had the camera, right? Like I had the camera, I was like, this is great. You know, I have a, I have a, I bought my first red. It was like 15 grand, like the most I ever spent on a, a camera in my life. On anything maybe, right? I mean, beside a house. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And then like the next camera I bought was like 25 grand, you know? And then um, it's, it's basically, I was chasing the high of like, okay, like if I get this goal, that must mean something to me. I may, I may now mean something. I may now be somebody, right? Um, uh, I'm sh- and this is like a real thing. Like when people have a certain camera, they feel like I've made it. I now afford this. I now have this. I can do different things in my life. Um, and when the actuality for me, that wasn't the case. You know, um, after I got it, I wanted more still. And that's because I was chasing a feeling, I was chasing a goal versus trying to fulfill my vision. And so when I started looking at what my vision was for my life, right, I sold a lot of stuff that didn't matter. Um, Especially when I took this position at this company, I realized I didn't need to have, you know, six figures of camera gear in a closet. I got rid of like the majority of it. And now like when I started shooting with like smaller cameras, I went back to DSLRs. You know, why? Because it fit in my vision. It fit in what I wanted to do for my life. And so I think, um, you know, the, the journey is knowing what one's vision is. It's just a, it's a pretty word for it, vision. And when they realize that in their journey, right, uh, there's steps along the way I need to hit, right? If, I, if I'm going to get a nice truck because I want to pull a trailer that has all my gear in it, so I roll up onto a set and it makes sense, yes, buy a truck, right? But if I'm like, hey, I want a Ferrari, you know, does it fit in my vision though? No, you can't haul a trailer with a Ferrari, Right. So I mean, I'm sure like you can see, like when people make decisions around their vision, uh, it's, it's, it's tailored decisions. It's curated decisions versus happenstance versus wants and desires on emotion, chasing emotion. Right. I fully agree. And and a lot of that is really enjoying the process. I mean, I happen to like uh, pre-production and and getting ready for the shoot. And I found out one of the things I don't enjoy uh, is editing. I don't, I don't, really enjoy post-production, I'd love to have a say in it. But at the end of the day, there's other people who are far better at, at crafting that part of storytelling than I am. And I, and I, I agree with you. I think I'm just I'm most happy. Um, uh, and, and that's one thing I've also had to adjust is not, not keeping up with whatever uh, gear is the latest and greatest, but, but focusing on what uh, makes me happy, which is uh, collaboration, pre-production, team building. Uh, those are the things that, that that really do it for me. And, and that's one of the things I will continue to do as long as I possibly can. Um, so Randy, you've, you've evolved into where you are. We all have, I mean, we've learned our, we've had mistakes and, and maybe we'll continue to do them, but how, what is your typical today? And how do you feel that you've refined that in, in moving, you know, in, on a day-to-day basis to, to, uh, fulfill your vision? That's good. Um, it's kind of odd for me. It's kind of different because, um, you know, I work full time for a company now. I'm no longer freelance per se. Um, but so like my typical day, you know, I, I'll, I'll wake up. I'll, um, the first thing that's important for me is to get intentional about what I want to accomplish. Uh, if I fill my life with, if I fill my day with low 
priority things, or with, if I don't fill my day first with high priority actions and steps and things, it will become filled with low priority items. That's just the nature of the universe, right? So like when I first wake up, I'm intentional. What do I want to get done today? And when I'm intentional about that, everything else is unimportant will either make it or not make it into my to-do list or into my time. And that's okay. But at least the most important key things were done. You know, um, when I was working freelance, I think one of the biggest things I did was how do I make sure I'm progressing my business further, right? Um, whether that be in my reading, and I spent a lot of time on forums, man, like back in the day, like <laughs> tons of times on forums, it was ridiculous, but it was to learn and to meet people. Cause I was in Hawaii. You know, I was, uh, I started my career in Hawaii where it's, it's an island and there wasn't very many productions going on. You know, hell, like one of my best friends, you, James, like you're in Ohio, right? I couldn't call you up to go hang out because there's a big, large body of water and thousands of miles that separated us. So what did I do? I spent time on the internet. Um, I think nowadays is real different though, James, right? Like a, a, a someone brand new can get sucked into the YouTube university and be stuck there and just watching things. And um, I think it's really important that to figure out like how to spend their day or else, I mean, I know I can just get sucked into YouTube and I'm down that rabbit hole watching all kinds of stuff, right? But um, to finish that, to, to answer that question, I think that the biggest thing is to, I prioritize my day, I go about the high priority items and then anything that's unimportant, um, I decide, does this need to make it into my list for the next day or can it keep being pushed back? And once I discover what's important, I attack those things first and then I go about executing them. Um, and when it's time to stop, uh, I've learned I need to stop, right? <laughs> I, not work until 11, 10, 12 o'clock at night. I got to stop. So, yeah. So you think you found that balance then? And it, it, that's a, a word that gets thrown around a lot as well. Yeah, it's close, right? I mean, I, I know you, like, you're just like me. Like, you burn the, the candle both ends, bro. Like, you know, and, um, no, I haven't found it yet because, um, I, I, I personally have a coach that, that. Um, coaches me on like my life and my my professional goals and he's like the biggest thing you need to do Randy, is you need to get your personal life in balance because you are swinging so hard 80 percent of your life is career driven which isn't bad but i personally don't want that i want to spend more time with my family you know well it's a time when you have to know when you have to put your foot on the gas and and uh, it can't be on the gas all the time there's got to be that balance as well um how are you managing your social media? And I, I call it the dopamine injections and not doing that. Like uh, there, there's uh, <laughs> among other things that I've watched or listened to is that not start your day, just grabbing your phone and end your day with your phone. And have you, have you been better about managing that? I mean, I'm probably one of like, I'm probably pretty bad at that, to be honest with you. And, and the reason why is I've, I run a few Facebook groups. Um, one for the business I'm, I'm a part of, we have over 14,500 members. So it's, you know, and I'm in charge of crafting narratives and messaging and communication. So it's like, I'm on there watching it for work. So it's kind of like, uh, I'm getting paid to be on social media. So I have to be on social media. Um, but my personal stuff, it's been getting really, um, it's been good. Like I've, I've had to learn when to just kind of let conversations go. Um, you know, I used to get stuck in the flame wars all the time. You know, like, like arguing on the internet. It's like, why? Like, what's the point now? You know? And so <laughs> I kind of gotten over that. Um, but I think too, guarding one's time is super important. Now, the reason why I don't want to say it's not good to be on social media is because depending on someone's values, and this is something I want to talk about as we get into this conversation, is that determining one's values 
will remove game, shame, or guilt, uh, sorry, blame, shame, or guilt around their actions and decisions. If somebody's main chief goal in their life is to have social standing, social, um, social recognition, then yes, they spend a lot of time on social media because it fulfills their values. However, if their most important thing is, is they want to, um, you know, I don't know, for example, have a great physical body, they want to work out. Social media is not really helping them unless they're learning about like different ways to take care of their body, right? So I guess the question is it all depends. Um, but to address the initial question, I'm terrible at managing my social media uh, <laughs> um, consumption. We're all guilty. And, and, and I know it's, it, it seems like that, that you use that almost like smoking a cigarette. It's when there's a pause in the day, we all reach for our devices and it's, I, I, it, it's something I'm not proud of either. And, and I think it's always going to be a work in progress. We feel we justify it by, well, you know, I might be getting a, an important text from a client or, or anything else like that. But most of the time it, it really is just, you know, making your rounds and, and there is a lot of time wasting. And so uh, I, I did, I did want to uh, ask you though, uh, you know, you, you're obviously very interested in, in, in helping people get through um, the, their, 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 vision and, and kind of figuring that all out and sorting that out, even in, especially in the business world, which always bleeds into your personal life as well. Because if you don't have that, then I, I really think you just become, you know, uh, you can't really silo those as, as well as we try to do it. So what are, what are some of the, your messages and some of the things you'd like to tell at least, uh, not, not only filmmakers, but other people interested in the creative arts uh, on how to, how to, uh, uh, really kind of, um, go to the next level or continue with their goals. Right, right. Um, so success is the marriage of skill set and mindset, right? Uh, and, and that's what we teach our people in our business is that like success uh, equals skill set plus mindset. If one has a strong skill set, though a very terrible mindset, I mean, I'm sure we all know those folks who are really good at what they do, though you wouldn't want to hang out with them once the bell rings because they're really just difficult human beings, right? And, and those people, people who are really, really talented at their, goal, their, their, their craft, yet, for lack of a better term, squander it due to their mindset. You know, um, on top of that, you have the folks who are really good at mindset, um, and they sit in their couch, they put up dream boards, they put pictures on their fridge, and do nothing to achieve their dreams. We know, that we know the other side of that, too. Uh, but it comes with a balance, like you said. Um, so I would definitely tell people that, like, craft your skill set and craft your mindset. And why do we do, I would ask someone who's a filmmaker listening to this, because the majority of the people listening to this are in the film industry. Why do you do what you do, right? What's the end result of you creating your magnum opus, your, your film that you really wanted to do, that great work that gets a whole lot of views? What is the reason why you're doing what you're doing? And when you discover what that is, when you actually craft that time or take that time to craft that answer, it gets interesting, James. I mean, think about it, right? Like, if my main goal is to produce this film to, uh, for example, or my, if my main goal is to get noticed, to get hired by a big company, to make a lot of money, um, why? What's the point of making a lot of money? What do I want to do with all that money? And if that is, you know, do X, Y, and Z, right? Is there more efficient ways to do that? Is there more efficient ways to get to that end result, that end goal? And if the answer is yes, um, where people struggle is like, I need to make this film. I need to get this big break. Why? Right? Like let go of the anguish, let go of the shame, the guilt, whatever expectations and go for what it is you actually want about a different way versus 
for lack of a better term, suffering through it. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making sense there, James? Uh, yeah, I'd like to, uh, if you can unpack that a little bit as far as uh, dealing with the anxiety uh, just associated with that. I think that's that's one of the things we 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 face. I mean, whether it be we feel we're just not good enough or we just, you know, is this just a waste of my time or do I need to be doing something more? Do I need to be cold calling people? How do you get that direction in, in actually um, in accomplishing those goals, and 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 I, I guess at the end of, uh, at the end of the day, you mentioned time. Time is our most valuable asset. How do we use our time most wisely and get the most out of it? Um, and maybe that's a, a over, oversimplified way of asking you how do we how do you set the blueprint for achieving your vision? That's um, so. There's many ways to go about it per se, but I think the first thing is to get very clear on what it is one wants, right? Um, so this, this thing that I've heard when I was 17 never left me is that my net worth will never outgrow my self-worth. And I think so many times is that like as filmmakers or even as people in general, like I'll speak for myself. There've been times where I have not had a high self regard for myself and therefore, you know, it shows up in my work, right? Um, how many, I'm, I'm sure those of you listening know the people who are really good at what they do, um, but don't charge enough for it. Maybe they feel like their work isn't worth it. Their time isn't, you know, valuable. Um, if I don't keep a low price, people won't hire me, whatever it is. Right. Um, I've done extreme work on myself personally to create a high regard, a high confidence, not from a cocky stance, but to know regardless of my results, regardless of my accomplishments, I'm still a worthy human being. And when one comes from that space of confidence, um, clarity right with clarity um self-doubt and fear diminish they they they, uh, they deplete without clarity self-doubt and fear creep in because of course there's no clarity on what's going to happen next uh and so with that said right um it's it's really i think important that we we work on ourselves james you know um when i do personal growth and i learn about like my fears and my 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 doubts um, and I work on that. It doesn't creep into my work. So now like I have, comp so how does that work practically? When I am confident in my ability to perform, my ability to deliver uh, end result that a client's looking for, I can ask for the amount of money that I want because I'm no longer now a commodity, right? Um, Patrick Moreau, a good friend of ours says, the strongest lens you can attach to your camera is your perspective, right? People don't pay me for my ability to lens and whatnot. They pay me for my perspective. And when that's the case, like how, how from the neck down, we are worth X amount of money. Like there's a, there's a limit to the amount of money someone from the neck down can earn, but from the neck up, from our brain power, from our ideas, for our suggestions, from our perspectives, the earning potential is unlimited. And so that's why I say like, Hey man, like if you, you know, if you, if you work on this up here from your neck up versus your neck down, your skill sets, it's a much higher multiplier. People spend so much time learning about camera equipment and gear, which is great. But what about the things that it takes to actually move your career forward? And that's you, that's yourself, right? So again, another long-winded answer, James. No, no, but actually that's well put. And another podcast I listened to, The Wandering DP, uh, actually said that exact thing this, this, uh, this week where uh, uh, Patrick is, was actually talking about how um, Roger Deakins or some of the other great DPs are not hired because they know how to light or use a camera. They're hired because they have 
better taste than us. They, they know what, what looks good. Their judgment is better than ours. I mean, that, that really is the bottom line. Not because they're, uh, at that level, everybody is good at lighting. Everybody is good at, uh, for, you have people who are just good at what differs in that top, you know, 10th of a percent or hundredth of a percent is their ability to have better judgment than us and, and have the experience to troubleshoot or, or have been there. And, and as you know, with filmmaking, half of it is, is troubleshooting. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. It's not shooting. It's, it's troubleshooting and learning how to work, work through those things and navigate those, those tough waters and navigate and, and, and really get along with people, which, um, which I find is always a big challenge sometimes with, with different crew. Now, uh, going along that line, when you when you're working with teams, how, how have you managed your your uh, your human uh, uh, human resources side of yourself? Like, you know, you've had to hire and, and let some people go, but how how are you managing that? What are some of the things? Do you choose to say I will now just be more picky about the people I hang around with? It's just not worth my time to hang around people that or spend any time with people who do not have the same vision or, or the same character as I do? Um, short answer, yes, right? Um, if, if someone values uh, partying, going out, getting drunk, nothing wrong with that. That's not what I'm saying, but I don't have the same values as them. So from a, uh, we, we surround ourselves with people who support our values and we push away people who challenge our values. Um, Dr. John D. Martini, I would, I would caution anybody, or I would actually suggest anybody listening to this podcast to go look up his book, The Values Factor. Um, it, deter- it just talks about how like, uh, we gravitate to people who support our visions. And, um, and sometimes when we have people around us who don't, that will take our vision, uh, that will take the steam out of creating our vision, right? Um, for example, I'll put, it, I'll put it plainly, why do you and I hang out? It's because our visions support each other, right? Like we push each other. We're, um, we're honest with each other um, and we're supportive, you know? And so for someone who's like determining, who do I want around me? I would first discover what is your vision for yourself? So it's very clear and decisions are made around that vision, right? Um, then what are the values that I, I or the, you, the person listening to this, um, uh, admire um, and wants to exude or have around you, right? Uh, if you have someone in a, if you have a company that's made of people who are strictly career-minded, do not care about family, not because in a bad way, but that's not what they value. Family's very low on their list. They're gonna be very high accelerators at their business. They will be like absolutely monsters at it. They'll kick butt, they'll make a whole bunch of money. However, most of them will either be single, they'll either create relationships that don't work, or they'll find partners who don't either value relationships either, which is totally fine. Um, And that's why when knowing the values of other people around you, it's easy to see. Yep, got it. Like, why do family men hang out with other family men? Why do women who who have the same type of interest hang out with the same type of people with the same type of interest? Because they support each other's values. Um, when that doesn't happen, you'll find subconsciously the group will reject that person, and that's the reason. Or the culture will reject that person. We have people in our business that they weren't necessarily fired, though they were rejected by the culture really quickly. Um, I have a group of 14,500, 600 people right now that when someone comes in talking crazy, right, the, the, the rules and the culture of the group is to be supportive, keep it positive, and don't talk smack. That person that does the opposite is rejected very quickly by all the other group members. It's a tribe mentality, and that's how we're wired. 
right? So um, values uh, and vision, being clear on those two things. And it's always gonna go back to those two things because those are the markers in which we can create uh, the, the bumpers in the, uh, the lane, if you will, for which to, to, to smack off of and say, is this the direction I wanna travel? I think that's great. I think um, also along that line, when you're dealing with uh, not only different difficult uh, colleagues, but how have you handled uh, being passed over or maybe not chosen for a job or not being included? Uh, we've all felt that and sometimes people have their own reasons. And I don't know if you ever have to justify it to anybody, but how, you know, when, you, when you're when you not on set or when somebody doesn't get hired, I, you know, especially with close, close friends, I feel I need to, but there's sometimes that it doesn't mean that you, there's anything personal against the person, they're just not the right fit for the job. And I have to be more mature about that as well. But how have you handled uh, not being accepted for a job or, or, or being taken in? Um, there's two ways to look at it. Uh, first, I'm gonna take it to the, the, the mindset side, right? So if I get declined from a job or not picked, what do I think about myself, right? Right away, some people feel like, man, I'm, I must not be good enough. Like, I must suck. Why didn't they pick me? When the truth is no, like you don't suck. Well, you know, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, or, but it's not any value in your per yourself as a person. People attach their career, uh, their, their, their work value to their personal value. Um, and that's not the case. Like a human life I feel is really valuable, but like someone's skill set may not be valuable until the time I need it. Like if I'm fighting a fire, I wanna know how good somebody could put out this fire. I don't care if they know how to juggle, juggle you know, oranges at the time, right? That's not important to me. But if I'm like at a party, right, and there's no fire, the, the skill set of firefighting is a lot lower in the totem pole than juggling oranges. That must be a, that's a much funner party trick, you know? Uh, and so when people get passed up for jobs, mentally, I think it's important to say, notice the reaction, right? Number one, what reaction are you having to it? Is it negative? Is it positive? Is it lukewarm? And then two, ask yourself why. Why am I feeling this way about this react? Why do I feel this reaction? Where does it come from? Versus be pissed off and be knee-jerk reaction of, oh, freaking A, I should have been picked. Why, why do I feel this way that I should have been picked, right? Why am I upset? And when you go from there, you can now make a responsible uh, response versus reaction. And responding versus reacting are two different things. Reaction comes from, uh, you know, instinct or whatever. And responding actually comes from an intelligent um, thought process around what occurred, right? And then, you know... Uh, uh, first responders, right? They're not called first reactors. They're called first responders for a reason. So that's, 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 the, that's skill, the, the mindset side. The skill set side, the healthy way to look at that, I feel, is what worked, what didn't work, right? What worked for this, right? Um, did, I, did, I get, did I even get called back? Did I even get um, considered? Did I even get like, was I on the short list? What are all the things that worked for that reason, right? What got me in the door? Uh, and then what didn't work? Um, did I not have anything specifically they were looking for? Was there somebody more talented and experienced? Uh, did I not respond quick enough? Was my professionalism not on point? Did I not, you know, did I not have a, a, a website? Whatever it could be. So when you examine it from the skill set side of what works and what doesn't work, you take out the personalness of it, right? It's no longer personal. So those would be my two things. Uh, Randy, I did want to maybe uh, pivot to uh, talking about what uh, what are you doing creatively right now? What do you what's the most creative thing uh, you're doing right now? Great, uh, that's awesome. The, the 
what I'm really excited about is I'm actually crafting a personal growth vision course, if you will, uh, offering. You know, I've gotten really, um, I've, I've gotten the chance to really meet some of the giants in the personal growth industry. And one of the guys who, uh, you know, is really one of like my really dear friends now. Um, it's funny, uh, James, he reminds me a lot, a lot like you. It's kind of funny. Um, you know, kind of same demeanor, kind of same, uh, you know, vibe. So it's, it took to him really easily. Um, we're creating a course on how for people to actually craft their vision. So he's had this course for probably six or seven years. Um, though the thing is like, he's just looking for some feedback on how to better make it marketable, um, you know, uh, up to production value and that sort of thing. So for me, it's been a really fun project mixing marketing, uh, mixing digital, uh, or excuse me, uh, mixing media and mixing personal growth together. So when you talk about vision, right, why did I want to partake on this kind of like fun project with my friend is because it hit a lot of my boxes, right? I'm about uh, marketing. I'm about uh, media and I love personal growth. So when all those three things converged, it was like, yep, great decision. Let's go do this. Uh, if it was missing some of the elements, I'm like, no, thanks. That's not what I'm interested in. So see ya. Right. Um, that's one that I'm really, really excited about. And I think the other thing I'm working creatively on is how to be a better father. <laughs> you know, um, it's, I don't know if you're a dad or a mom or whatever, listening to this podcast though. Uh, my, my daughter told me something the other day that kind of like shook me to my core. She said, um, Hey, Hey dad, I wish you were a dad that liked to play. And I was like, Oh, I thought I liked to play. I thought I really played with, I thought I played with her a lot. And I found myself about to justify with her. Well, daddy's busy or daddy is this. And I said, stop, I'm not, um, you know, let me back up. I said two things like, well, no, I play with you on the puzzles. I play with you on the dolls. I play with you. Right. But I had to stop and say, why is she saying that to me? It's because she perceives me as always working all the time. It's always in front of a computer on my phone, on my device, talking to people. And I'm glad that I'm displaying to her a work ethic that she can model though. The balance is also important, right? And, and for me spending time with her, why do I do all those things to spend time with her? So the most creative thing I'm working on right now is freeing up my time and creating more income in a way that is more passive. And I have a few other projects I'm playing with on that though. Those are the two big things in my life right now. I think that's great. And I, I, I think to, to, you know, to mimic a phrase that you have to have multiple irons in the, in the fire is, 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 how I think we have to all run our lives. We, we just can't rely on one source of income, not because we're not happy. It's just because you're, we're just padding our bets in this uh, very unsure time. I think it's not an unreasonable thing to do as well. So I think that's great. Um, so I won't even ask my next question that you probably don't binge much on Netflix or anything else like that. Is there anything you particularly like? I mean, maybe one show that you've uh, actually enjoyed or, or uh, got some uh, just, for pure joy, not necessarily that it was uh, uh, well shot or anything else like that. Uh, I'm a big comic book geek. I love comic books, man. I love superhero folk, uh, superhero lore, superhero like genre, everything related to superheroes. Love it. And like early on, some of my favorite stuff was like Batman, Robin, um, and a whole that whole thing. I think one of the things that really excited me about Batman was he didn't have any powers, um, and it was about his intellect. Yeah, he was a really great physical specimen. He trained really hard, though he had one thing that no one, none of the other superheroes had, and he had the brains to outsmart all of them, right? And so um, naturally, when I was growing up, I'd read Batman comics, and I saw Robin. And um, around the 90s, Robin was like in his third iteration. He was uh, Tim Drake, 
and Tim Drake was like tech savvy. He was super smart, you know, and he looked like he's Asian descent. So I guess he looked like almost like someone like me, um, but I got really into him. And so just recently uh, DC released a, a, a series called Titans. And it was a more grittier reimagined version of the Titans where um, Robin was leaving Batman to go start his new team. And I love the Teen Titans because uh, that team is not, they were sidekicks that turned into their own heroes. And so uh, I think, where is it? Um, DC, like DC streaming service has it. I think HBO Max has it now. But Titans, man, oh, such a good show. Um, it's kind of weird the first like half of the first season. But season two starts to get really, really good. Because, you, you know, growing up and seeing Lois and Clark and the adventures of Superman, that was like the extent of like what superheroes were when I was growing up. And it was like, there was nothing crazy about that. Fake air blowing, you know, superpowers. This, there's crazy superpowers being displayed, man. Like a guy's turning into a, a tiger, you know, people are flying. It's an amazing cinematography too. Very dark and gritty. I think James, you'd like it. Um, and the costumes don't look cheesy. So uh, I really like Titans. Um, so that's, that's, that's one of the ones. And just recently I saw, well, I, I've been into, and I just, I just, I don't know. It kind of freaks me out that I like it so much was Ozarks. Yeah. Ozarks, man. Oh my God. Like, it's like, you watch it and it's like, this is a train wreck, like all, <laughs> all day, <laughs> but it sucks. It's, you it's in. a continuous two, two season or three seasons, three season, uh, uh, a train wreck. And I don't think Marty could get into any more trouble than he has, but he continuously figures out how to, um, <laughs> I, and we talked a little bit about the Mandalorian, and, and really, uh, I, you did watch that, correct? What their whole technology is behind that, and uh, Matt Workman has done some work uh, with that, as well as uh, other people uh, creating these virtual sets. I really think that's going to be, especially what we're dealing now with budgets and quarantine and all that. That's that's an area of film. If you get in on the ground floor, I, I really think you'll have a lot of work. It's it's. Uh, it's daunting because it's expensive on the front end, but you could imagine. I, I really hope we don't start making films only in domes. I mean, that's that's not my that's not my bend. I, I really like location shooting, but I, I, that's also another interesting uh, thing that's come about. So, um, you know, uh, before we close, uh, are there any other uh, things? First of all, where can we find you, Randy? Um, I mean, I have an Instagram at Randy Panato. Uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's for the past three years, a lot of my stuff has been really not, um, in public because it's all like, you know, within the company I'm working with now. Um, so my internet presence has been very small, um, to say the least. I have a website, randypanel.com. It's funny, right? All this stuff's outdated. It's for my used to shoot freelance. So you won't really find a lot of that. Um, however, yeah, I'm kind of like thinking like, what's the best way to get in touch? I think Instagram is like the most easiest way to find me. And to just like really see a lot of the older stuff I did. Um, I'm going to start posting more recent things um, for some manufacturers because I started to partner up and, and release some products. But uh, that's about it, man. You know, like uh, it's, it's, I think that, and that was my thing. I wasn't trying to be internet famous. I wasn't trying to like be like some of the, our friends that we know that have a huge following. Um, it just got less and less important to me, you know? And I think um, from there, there's freedom and not caring really what people think. Um, and if I can have a small group around me that can fund my vision and I can fund their, you know, I can, I can help support them in theirs. That was the most important uh, aspect of it. Well, thanks for coming on. We really, uh, I really appreciate spending some time with you and I'm sure we're going to have you on again. I just wanted to at least introduce you to, uh, to our podcast. 
Thanks, James, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, just really, really just blessed to have your friendship and just, you know, your mentorship over the years. It's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's definitely one of the things I value, uh, our relationship and our experiences together. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to future episodes of this. And if you want to have me on, I'm, I'm down anytime, man. I appreciate that. And uh, obviously, I'm looking forward to collaborating soon. So thanks again, Randy. Thank you. And there you have it. That is this week's podcast with Randy Panato. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy this one. Really great insight just about having a vision as a filmmaker, not just about making a film, but in your career of filmmaking. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Let Randy know. Let us know. Uh, tag us on your post. Subscribe to our podcast. Comment. Leave a review. Love to hear from you guys. Always trying to find a way to improve. Uh, to make your podcast listening experience a great one. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take care.